You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. What's so funny? I, you did the count in your mind. I didn't. I didn't expect that. <laughs> so we do a count into the episode, and sometimes you know it can be partially out loud or anything. But Damon just went silent. I didn't know what was happening. I literally never count out loud. Nobody asks you to. It's true. Tayo said, "Give us count to five. Anyway. Well, we all just counted out loud. That's the thing is that we all just counted out loud, and then Damon didn't count out loud. I am your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is obviously Sam. Sam. Hey, everybody, hey, everybody. Caught me off guard there again. <laughs> Tina Amini's here. Hi, everybody. And Justin Davis. <laughs> Scoop. And we've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we finally got a release date for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Whoa. which will give us a good segue to talk about um, uh, the headlines from last week, which we forgot to talk about <laughs> all the big games <laughs> that are coming in May. Um, hey, we, we promised that discussion for release window. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, that's true. Uh, and then a ghost of IGN's past, um, a game, uh, a, a name I have not heard for a long time, has resurfaced today and is one of the most random uh, game announcements I've seen in a long time. Really? But first. Okay. But first, let's talk about Ubisoft uh, and their recent financial results where they revealed they're going to be moving away from a reliance on AAA releases and instead look more closely at free-to-play games and its back catalog to make money. Uh, I'm going to read over some quotes here. Uh, it's plans for fiscal 2022, which will go from this April to April or t- through March 2022, includes three AAA game releases. So I guess we could speculate a little bit on what we think those might be. Um, but in the future, Ubisoft doesn't want AAA games to be the focus of its business model. Quote, we said for a number of years that our normal template is to come with either three or four AAA games, so we'll stick to that plan for fiscal 2022-2022. But we see that we are progressively, continuously moving from a model that used to be only focused on AAA releases to a model where we have a combination of strong releases from AAA and strong back catalog dynamics, but also complementing our program of new releases with free-to-play and other premium experiences. He wanted to specify the company had a number of AAA titles uh, in the pipeline, AAA and otherwise, like Far Cry 6, Rainbow Six Quarantine, Skull and Bones. They actually mentioned Skull and Bones. Riders Republic, uh, The Prince of Persia, Sands of Time remake, and Roller Champions. No mention of Beyond Good Evil 2. Uh, on the call, there was not a single mention of their Battle Royale hyperscape. Finally, Ubisoft's financials indicate the games like Mario plus Rabbids, Far Cry 5, The Crew 2, Anno 1800, older Just Dance games, uh, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey are still doing meaningful numbers. Hmm. Yeah, it's so kind of like uh, how how Rock Band still makes a lot of money based off of new music licenses. Like, super lucrative. If it if it works, why why fix it? Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that's true? You think Rock Band does still make a lot of money? 
today? Well, well, they're still renewing. Like they're still constantly issuing new DLC. I suppose you can call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can, for new you music can still buy. License. You can buy new songs for Rock Band. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're consistently refreshing that list. And I you thought can for buy sure buy like those... a set of new music. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. And obviously, the music licenses are costly, so it certainly mm-hmm. must be making them some amount of profit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is any of this information surprising to you, or does this sound like what Ubisoft's been doing for several years now? I don't think I believe them. Ah, gotcha. They're lying. <laughs> In what sense? I just like they're a AAA game. They're like out of all the AAA game companies, they're the most AAA of them all through and through. Like, you know, even EA has its, uh, you know, FIFA Ultimate team, which makes a billion dollars. And, um, you know, Activision had a lot of success with Call of Duty Warzone, whereas like Ubisoft is like the very straight and narrow. We release a big game and, you know, we charge you 60 or $70 for it. And then we support it for like five years. That's like that's like the, in the company's DNA. Yeah. They, I, they, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. um, I was just going to say uh, they certainly do like any company like you, you bank on your AAA releases if you're a AAA company. Um for reputational gain, but I mm. I think increasingly that's becoming common knowledge that it's not the most cost effective. Um, and if you look at like the life cycle of development, getting that right, and then the potential for those year long development cycles, like whatever's coming into play, and suddenly there's like an executive order that shifts the direction of what you need to be focusing on. Like I think that's the that's what like the appeal of games as services is, is that you're able to do more like quicker updates that are more substantial with a proven gamer base, essentially, to a degree, if you're somebody like Rock Band, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not the thing that would give them that reputational game that like an Assassin's Creed Valhalla would, for sure. Yeah. It, it's certainly true that, well, I, I would presume that it's true, like you said, Tina, that you make more money by like sort of reissuing or like making money off a back catalog, you know, your library and bringing it forward. Like that's an easier way to make a million bucks than, than you know, spinning up a new AAA game. But, but all of those games used to be AAA games. Like <laughs> you have to continue having a pipeline of new product in order to, you know, re-release it on every new platform like Skyrim. You know, yeah. Everything we know about Ubisoft is that they developed basically a worldwide development studio to make amazing games that share assets. And they have all these teams that work together to like make it easier to make a AAA, often single-player experience game. It would be a little bit crazy to abandon that. Well, that's one thing. Here's another thing. Those, that statement that you just read, I, that was from a earnings call, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything in that would anger the Ubisoft base. There's like not one thing they sit in there that people want to hear. Free to play, DLC, you know, no more single player, triple A, like all that stuff is just like, what what a crazy thing to put out there in public when you are trying to develop this like (laughs) reputation right now where where your other competitors have screwed up so badly. Like EA with with DLC and Star Wars license and everything. Like, hey, just play it cool for a little bit, Ubisoft. (laughs) Just do what you're doing. Everybody likes you right now. Why would but, you do something like this? You know who loves that kind of message is shareholders. <laughs> and that's yeah. why it's not believable, right? That's why that that's why your your conspiracy well, that's why it's theory an sounds call. weird. Mm. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> and not a press release. <laughs> you got you gotta get yourself a video game company that knows how to do both. And it's earnings call. They're like 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 Activision owns Candy Crush. <laughs> like so in their earnings call, hmm, yes, we have yeah. a strong foothold in making billions of dollars in free-to-play <laughs> mobile games. But then they don't talk about that at E3. Like, then it's just the new Call of Duty. Well, I guess they're not showing off Call of Duty at E3. But y- you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, they, you, you speak to the gamers, and then you speak to the investors, and you sort mm-hmm. of, never the twain shall meet. <laughs> All right, we well, are getting a, a, mm-hmm. a guest appearance by a cat commentator. What do you think, cat? She's just showing Swish. her butt to the camera. Yep. <laughs> well, I think I That's, think we're all think kind of showing our butts to the camera right now. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, we got a full cat face there. That was good. And there's the tail. <laughs> yep. All right. Thank this you, is Lyon. an essential video episode. Yeah. Like, like before when we say, tune into this one.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I guess Ubisoft has their um, their financial calls where they speak directly to the investors, and they have their what do they call them? Ubisoft Forward. What do they call their like their yeah forward? Their direct videos. They have Ubisoft Forward where they talk directly to. Well, the they actually announced to, uh, in this earnings call they're going to call those Ubisoft backwards because they're focusing on already existing <laughs> titles and their backwards. backward compatibility. Look, it's smart. It's good branding. It's very clear, communicative. <laughs> um. I wonder what these three AAA games uh, over the next year they have are. Far Cry 6 is one of them. I wonder if they consider Riders Republic. Uh, or Prince Reissue? Oh. Uh, surely not. A remake of a PS2 okay. era game? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, think so. We don't know if, Call of, or if uh, Assassin's Creed's taking a year off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't, heard about, we haven't heard about that. Sometimes People it does. People are clamoring for Watch Dogs, even though that got good reviews. Hmm. I mean, Skull and Bones would be a AAA game. Maybe the Roller Derby game. Uh, yeah, Roller Champions. But I think that's also free to play. So I don't, oh. I don't know if that really counts. They have to have unannounced games because there's a you know summer games announcement cycle coming, and Ubisoft is always a part of that. Yeah, it's weird that they've delayed all their games that they had coming up uh, in the early part of the year, and they haven't given them new release dates as of right now. So we don't we don't even know when the next big Ubisoft game is coming. Yeah, it wasn't Far Cry like next month originally? No, like next week. It was February. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. That and Riders Republic were both. Well, that were. would have been nice to have. <clears throat> I know it would have been. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see, I think 2021 is really going to hose, or, uh, you know, COVID is really going to hose 2021 video game release dates in a way that like 2020 didn't make it out completely unscathed. Like it undoubtedly had an impact on games like Cyberpunk, right? Um, but, uh, but a lot of the games that came out last year were already so baked and were kind of in like final polish phase where like there's new consoles out and there are not that many video games coming out for them. And you're seeing big companies that are normally so buttoned up, you know, have to push back their timetables. So um, I don't know, might be a little bit of a weird year this year. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Justin, because uh, oh. we were we were meant to talk about this very subject last week and about how uh, the month of May is looking like it's going to be huge and it's really the first big month of the year for game releases. Uh, but we got we just got so caught up talking about Mass Effect that I completely forgot to go over all the other games that are coming well, out. That in counts, May. Right? <laughs> that does count. Yeah, big one. And mm-hmm. now that we've got the release date for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart in early June, it just sort of it, I think it's part of that 
um, it's sort of a, it's a really li- nice long stretch of just week after week big games. So June is 7th, the launch window of May. Yeah, that's true. So. Still within the launch window. So you May seventh, that joke till it lands. May. <laughs> I think it's landed twice. I think you're double dipping now. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Good to hear. May seventh is Resident Evil Village, and that's, yeah. that's everyone's everyone finally gets to meet the big lady. Uh, yeah, and then, people didn't care until the the big lady really. <laughs> I mean, I think people cared, but like, man, yeah. that game has so much hype going for it right now, yeah. and I'm, yep. I'm glad. Resident Evil is always fun to have in your Resident Evil. Yeah, nine like, feet and six <clears throat> inches of hype. Nine six is that the height? Yeah, yeah. that's how tall she is. <laughs> I wonder if Capcom, like, you know, obviously you'd rather have the press than not have it and have the memes about your game, but like, it's too late for them to change, like. They're frantically having meetings. Like, should we make her sexier? Does she need to be scarier? Like, yeah, yeah. like, should we in, uh, make her a bigger part of the game? Like, make her the final yeah. boss now? I don't. I, don't I know. think, according to our interview, their reaction is completely over the head. They're just baffled. They don't get it. <laughs> I don't think they've even noticed. They're just. <laughs> what was the quote? There was something like, "We really, we th- we're surprised that pe- so many people want to be chased by our great character." <laughs> like, it was like so innocent. Yeah. It was very innocent. And then compare and contrast that with our, uh, you know, basically kink expert that we um, interviewed for that piece uh, that Matt Kim wrote. Um, yep. You know, there's there's a very different perspective yes. and insight from from that interview and those quotes than our, our one with uh, Capcom, who is very diligently trying to talk about her inspiration, <laughs> which is, for instance, Morticia Adams makes a lot of sense, is one mm-hmm. of those uh, that inspired uh, Lady Dramasco. I don't know if like, I, that's how you say her name. I think why you know is she nine okay. feet tall? <laughs> They don't so that like, when she comes out of the doorway, you're terrified of her. Cozy. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cap- Capcom. They don't want to be chased by her. They want to be stepped on by her. They want to be <laughs> chased and then stepped on. <laughs> I don't really know what you guys are even mean by that, but I'm going to skip past it because I'm going to say that Capcom always has large characters that chase you around, and so this time I think you know in their minds they're probably just like, oh, we're just going to go with a, a giant lady this time, see how it goes, and then people were just like, this is so much better than Nemesis. And now but it might be just a, scary. Now it gives us an extra tool for 20 questions. How tall is this? Is this character <laughs> yeah. incredibly tall? Notably tall? <laughs> are there big people she, in this? Are there big animals in this game? She is wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are there, are, oh, man, we haven't used that in ages, Chester. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why we've been on a winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And then uh, the following week, we get Mass Effect Leg- Legacy Edition on May 14th. The following week, we get Deathloop. Uh, PS5 exclusive. A few days after that, we get Biomutant on May 25th. Mm-hmm. And then Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is June 11th, uh, You know, which is usually right around E3 time. I'm not exactly sure when um, their digital E3 is going to happen this year. Okay. And then finally, what's that? Oh, just June 11th. That counts as being in the May launch window. Yep. Yeah, okay. exactly. Justin retold the joke that <laughs> <Yep>. I reissued. <laughs> uh-huh. and so now, I, if it didn't land now, then we're just going to have to go with Tina doing it. We need uh, remake. So you need to give me a few years so that I can reissue it. It'll it'll be. We need the legendary edition of the joke. That's true. Yeah, it'll come with a collector's edition of Sam signing it. (laughs) And then I think we can even include June twenty second in that May launch window because that's back. That's back for blood. Oh, cool. Mm. Hey, we got a lot of games to play this summer. That that's a good feeling. So that's a really good. That was the the point of last week's uh, headline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a good stretch of games. <laughs> and uh, there's some Nintendo games out before then, including one that's out by the time you're hearing this episode, the new Mario game with Bowser's Fury in it and the new, new stuff in it. But uh, also mm-hmm. a Pokemon Snap game is coming out. And a lot of people are excited about that. Yeah, I guess we don't, we're waiting on a release date for that one. Uh, no, or we got that, it. It's, maybe it's, it's just before April, May. Right? It's April, right? Yeah. Okay. It's just in the, you know. Yeah, the way gotcha. Uh, and I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that June 22nd is the latest uh, release really date really of the year that we yeah. know of so far. Hey, speaking of original reporting, like that great report by Matt Kim, we also put up a cool uh, a report on what Biomutant is as a game. And they reference like the Nemesis system from uh, Mordor and uh, all these other inspirations that were like super cool and about how you can kind of go into areas that you're not supposed to early but they're challenging and like, like all this type of stuff, which made it sound a uh, breath of the wild type areas. So all this type of stuff that made it sound like, you know, if it comes together, right, that would be a, a total Sammy game. Hey, which game is this? Bio mutant. mutant. Yeah. Yeah. That one looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about uh death loop to uh, make a call at this point, but there's some good talent behind that game. 
Yeah, I mean, I like Arcane's other stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of excitement around it right now. Yep, but hey, there wasn't around Dishonored until it came out, and people were like, oh. Yeah. I think, I think Deathloop will be a good like Twitch game, meaning mm. the streaming platform. Yeah. Like, I think it's just good bait to watch people play it and have fun and have it spread that way. Yep. Well, you can look forward to an IGN exclusive of... At FanFest on February 26th or 27th. We haven't released our schedule yet. <laughs> on Deathloop, Or I think we have. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Deathloop. That's what I mean. Okay, cool. Presented by IGN. <laughs> um, so if that takes us through June as of right now, I guess um, the back half of the year is when we'll be looking for stuff like um, Horizon uh, Forbidden West. Is that what the yeah. name of the game is? And I don't know. Hopefully God of War Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild 2. Makes it in this year. Breath of the Wild 2, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not much from Nintendo. Halo Infinite. Yep, Halo. Halo Infinite, yeah. yeah, that's true. Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. There'll be another one. Supposedly. You know um, what's weird? If there was an Assassin's Creed this year, it would have leaked by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we're, this is, it'd be this month, wouldn't it? It's always February. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, maybe we have maybe we have two more weeks to figure out what the Assassin's Creed is this year. Well, but nobody's nobody's taking airplane trips and working on powerpoints. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. Oh, which one was that? Was that Black Flag? I can't believe it that someone was just. It's like so. Like for all the world, I thought that that was a fake story. Where like, man, I don't yeah. know. The person sitting on the plane next to me said Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and it had pirate stuff all over it on their deck. <laughs> and it's like. Who's doing that work on an airplane when the product hasn't been announced? There was a funny Tony Hawk one where there was like projected on a wall the, somewhere, right? The caterer. The caterer on their Instagram was like, <laughs> I catered this big event for the new Tony Hawk game. And it like hadn't even been announced yet. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that yeah. stuff. It's usually always voice actors where they're like, oh yeah, I recorded all my lines for Metal Gear Solid <laughs> 6. And yeah, exactly. Like, what? <laughs> Tell me more. Hey, there's some new Batman games coming out this year. Um, yeah, I forgot are about there? Those. Are there? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were supposed to be for spring. One of them was. <laughs> Which one? I forgot. I, I, I not the Suicide Squad one, right? Yeah, the Batman one was. Yeah. So we saw 30 minutes of gameplay for it. Gotham Knights? Is yeah. that one? I think Gotham Knights look great. Looks great. That's the one that was done by the Origins team. Sort of the yeah. the this is a pejorative, but like the B team. But I actually think it looks just as interesting or more interesting than the Suicide Squad game. Like, yeah. I like the RPG leaning into that aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. I I loved what I saw of that at E3. Yeah, I hope it's um hope we get to see a deeper look soon at E3. And well, also. When- Whenever, whatever, sorry, I said E3, yeah, whichever, whichever of the summer events, I don't know if it was I, on. I think it was DC's like fan dome, right? Mm. That must nope, be what it was. Nobody knows. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was from DC fandom. That's right, it was, yeah. yeah. My mistake. We'll never get another one of those again, will we? <laughs> maybe we will. Well, maybe uh, this summer. Maybe we'll get one more. Hopefully just one more. Our next segment is the one I'm calling What the Crap Are These New Nintendo Switch Online Games? Oh, I did a bunch of research for this. Arrived this week. Three Super Nintendo games and one NES game. <laughs> and I, I would be surprised if a single person out there was hoping that any of these would be arriving on Nintendo Switch Online. You know, that's the thing, right? Is that this, it's a joke that, that, that these crazy games are coming out. But I can give you some interesting quick facts about each that might get, that, that might get some people interested in them. And I want to preface this by saying, I played Donkey Kong Country 3, which came out in the last batch for the first time ever recently. Mm-hmm. That game is so crazy. It's about <laughs> Trixie and a giant baby Donkey Kong thing. I can't remember his name. It's just this big baby. It's so obnoxious. And, you know, it, it, it's like this era where Nintendo is making games about babies, right? Because the uh, they had Yoshi's Island out. And um, you, you there's like a... Everything about it is influenced by, like, Nintendo 64-era games. It's like... It, 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 you know, I know those games are already collect-a-thons, but it has this, like, weird overworld map that you can kind of, like, overworld. go around. Hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's just bizarre. Anyway... <clears throat> So where to start here? Uh, I think one game in here I've had people ask me about before, before this, that's called Fire and Ice. That's actually Mm -hmm. Solomon's Key 2, a game that Little Sam, when I'd go to the High V in Iowa to go rent games, I would see uh, Solomon's Key. That looks boring. Never played that. (laughs) 
But I play. It's <laughs> like somebody, from the era of like Mighty Bomb Jack. Yeah, I was like, that sounds like Sunday School or something. There's no way. I've never played Mighty Bomb Jack either, and it has like a similar cover. So, um, kid. yeah, exactly. I never played that either. So, uh, I th- but this game is like more of a puzzle game. It's like you have a room. And you have fire that you have to put out with ice cubes and you move around in this little, little person that can magically make cubes and then push them. It's kind of like Adventures of Lolo. So not bad. Yeah. But I've had people come to me and be like, have you, do you remember this game where you're like a little wizard? And you can make ice blocks. And like, so that's happened to me before. The rest of these, not much. I have not much to say. There's one called Doomsday Warrior, which is interesting because it's a terrible fighting game that actually, uh, uh, IGN's Brandon Hunt owned this as a kid and, and uh, brought it to work once when we played it. So I've played that one before too. Poor oh, Brandon. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's a knockoff of Street Fighter 2 that came out, if I, I wrote this down, in June, no, in November of 1992, which was like just after Street Fighter 2 came out in Japan yeah. on, on Super Nintendo. So my theory is that they're trying to rush out a Street Fighter after it was in the arcade clone to like make some money, right? Because it's just like just this generic, just trash heap of a super of a Street Fighter game. We but all played Street Fighter beat them and nobody played it. Did we play that one together? I yeah, think we did. I remember, I remember that. that. It was yep. totally so unremarkable. Then, yeah, for sure. So uh, <laughs> that game was made by a company called Lasersoft. Which great is a great company, name. Yeah. Japanese company. And they also did a game called Valus 4, which I don't need to go into, but they also did Psycho Dream, the other game. So somehow this laser uh, soft license Nintendo came into and they're like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do some <laughs> sh- handshake deals and get it off. So uh, so uh, the other game, Psycho Dream, did never it never came out here. Uh, wow. It came out in Japan as a platformer and it has this, like a vaguely cyberpunk theme and it's so generic and crappy. So then the <laughs> final game uh, to talk about, which I'm interested in, is called Prehistoric Man with a K. And it looks at first blush like a Joe and Mac knockoff Hmm. but there's some weird stuff going on in this game one it was designed in France which is unusual uh, by Titus France Uh, two it came out in 1995 that's that's crazy and three it's the third game in a series so you'll need to know this for our upcoming 20 questions for prehistoric man Hmm. Uh, that includes uh, prehistoric man prehistoric man 2 which only came out on PC so this is the first time it came out on uh that series came to console, but it looks like a Joe and Matt game. You're like running around like a, you're a caveman and there's other cave things to fight. And it doesn't look too terrible. I'm vaguely interested in it. But what I think though, here's my conspiracy theory. That company had really, really stupid licenses. They had Dick Tracy and blues brothers. And not only did they have blues brothers, but they had put out a blues brothers game in 1990 and a blues brothers, 2000 game in like 2000. So they kept their their crummy licenses. I think that this this looks like one of those games that had like Mickey Mouse in it originally, and they like real pitching it hard, and they're like, just make it a caveman, put it out. Yep, didn't get the license. All right, that's the end. There was a there's an era in the same era where there was a lot of Doom clones. There were Joe and Matt clones. It was a whole genre. Yeah. yeah. So I was gonna say so. There's prehistoric Joe and Mac like yes. There's Joe and Mac, and it was also Chuck Rock. Chuck Rock. So yeah, I don't know what, before, what, or it's hmm, kind of and, contemporary. There's also a game called Trog that's a puzzle game. Yeah, what was it with Caveman in the early '90s? I don't remember that being. Oh particular. well, clearly it was the Brendan Fraser uh, vehicle in Sino Man that caused uh, that, fra- that uh, craze uh, to, to really kick off, right? Could be, could be. All right. Well, yeah, there's some completely random games that you can now enjoy on your Nintendo Switch Online service. Uh, before we bounce off of the Switch, I wanted to bring up, I wanted to ask if you guys have noticed a phenomenon that has happened with Nintendo and its Switch and the Switch eShop. Whereas somewhere along the line, the past couple of years, Nintendo decided that all manner of pervy games are totally fine on, oh, really? on Switch now. Yep. I just think, and I think it's so strange and interesting that like, they're tip, typically like the most family friendly mm-hmm. of the uh, three console makers. And I think. They probably have the most pervy games on the Switch. Now, I was just gonna say, have you compared to how, how, like what what the deep PlayStation yeah. Store looks like or anything? I haven't actually like counted them all. It's just like it's just a guess of mine. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot more on Steam. Yeah, like well. the the tipping point for me recently. I just saw a, a new game was just announced coming soon to the Nintendo Switch eShop. This is real. The game is called Hentai versus Evil. Oh, who wins? Who wins? I know. Ah! <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Like, would would Nintendo allow a game on the on the eShop called Porn versus Evil? Because yeah, Hentai versus Evil is, is like just a hair's it's a half step away from that. I think it's just like, and I want to point out, I'm not offended. I just think it's super interesting. 
mm. given Nintendo's long history of trying to be a little bit more family friendly. Well, yeah, and how many parents don't know, like, you know, my nephews just got a Nintendo Switch for uh, Christmas, and they're 11. And so, yeah. you know, like, do they have free run of the eShop themselves? I, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Somewhere along the line, someone at, at Nintendo was like, you know what? It's fine. Just let it all through. Let, it's just fine. Release all, just release the porn games. Don't yeah. worry about it. The seal of what? I, I didn't hear you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, now let's talk about a game I was not expecting to talk about this week or ever again on uh, on GameScoop. It's a game that we discussed on episode 118 of GameScoop <laughs> back in 2009. And this game is Six Days in Fallujah, originally to be published oh. by originally to be published by Konami, mm-hmm. which is already weird. Um, uh, and then dropped after uh, some controversy after its announcement. So it's back. It's resurrected. Apparently, it's going to be out this year. It is a military uh, first-person shooter based on a real Iraq war battle. It's got a new developer and publisher uh, after it was you know, canceled by Konami over a decade ago. Except for release on PC and consoles this year, a new version is developed by Highwire Games, and it's a, that's a studio founded by Halo's lead designer. And it's going to be published oh. by uh, a publisher called Victura. Apparently, over 100 Marines, soldiers, and Iraqi civilians have been interviewed to ensure authenticity. The developers at Highwire claim to have created, quote, unique technologies and game mechanics designed to replicate the uncertainty and tactics of modern combat in a way other games do not. The original uh, Six Days in Fallujah was announced in 2009 by Atomic Games to be published by Konami, but met with criticism from war veterans and anti-war groups. And then while it was never formally canceled, we, have, we haven't heard about this game in, let's see, Brief timeline on this game. IGN first first article on this game was April 9th, 2009, written by Eric Breidvig, an announcement of the game. April 27th, 2009, we wrote an article, Konami Drops, Six Days of Fallujah. <laughs> that, one's by, that one was by Ryan Clements. Oh, that's a short one. Mm. Short as, I, as I mentioned, we, we talked about it on uh, episode 118 of GameScoop, along with Mag and Arkham Asylum, <laughs> to put you back in place. And then the last time IGN would write about this game until today would be March 2nd, 2010, a year later, with the headline, Six Days in Fallujah, finished, still coming out. <laughs> That's <laughs> for 11 years to today. Wow. And we get the news that it's coming out. That's great. I mean, it's the world's longest delay. Yeah, I, I would have said... I would have said this is a terrible idea, clearly. And, like, it probably still is. But, like, Highwire is pretty legit. Like, I think that they made a they made a VR game that was pretty well-received that people liked was their sort of first and only fully released project. Um, that, like, fighting what's called uh, Golem, where you're... Um, you're yeah. Oh, right, anyway, yeah. like, it's just... That's the only thing that, like, tips this over from, like, this is a terrible idea to, like, well, maybe... Why use the game that's atta- why use the name that's attached to yeah. negative press from yeah, ten years I, ago? I mean, I guess well, maybe maybe it, maybe it means that they like are passionate about it and feel strongly about it and believe in it. Maybe that's one good sign. I don't know. Yeah, what, I, I wonder what I, the through line there is if there yeah. if there's a different publisher because it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be written about and talked about otherwise. Well, there's there's that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But they've got you, the. You league. think it's a a, a ploy? Well, I mean, you know, like you got a PR stunt. You got to grab onto whatever you can if you're in the business of making games. I guess they're um, like, we can get Damon's attention if we do this. <laughs> yeah, Let's talk about it on GameScoop. Yeah, it's been it's been 500 episodes since they last talked. About this game. <laughs> That's got to be some a record, right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, Don't you guys yeah. hate games that give you a time limit, though? Ugh. <laughs> what if what if I, what if we need a seventh day to wrap up all the side quests? You know that that countdown clock's gonna be going the whole time. It's gonna drive me bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They do have um, the lead developer on Halo and Destiny, and the music is by Marty O'Donnell. Hmm. Um, that's, that's crazy. So yeah, so lots of Halo talent then. Two yeah. so far. <laughs> Big wigs. That's good. I haven't kept up on the commentary on it just because it's been a crazy day, but um, I imagine there's a certain level of the same kind of controversy going on around just the discussion of like yeah. whether or not it's an appropriate medium for those sorts of stories. I'm, I'm glad that they're taking authenticity into consideration. Um, we wrote a story 
a while ago because White Phosphorus was going to make an appearance in a Call mm-hmm. of Duty game. Um, right. And our writer, um, who has experience uh, as well, like firsthand experience, was saying like it's such a horrible usage that if you're going to be using it, his argument was you should use it respectfully to how um, how monstrous um, of a of a warfare uh, tactic that it can be, it's just so that it's not like you know here's your buff, like here's your your next drop, uh, used kind of superfluously, like you would right. like a, you know a random other bonus in a combat game. Mm-hmm. There's certain elements of video games that are are to me immature, and those you know, and part of that's what's tied up in the idea of playing a game. And I don't. I've always told. You know, I'm consistent on this. I don't think games are really good at conveying stories, especially serious moments and stories. And then especially uh, because movies and books do that really well. And in this case, uh, there's not a lot of distance from uh, that era. And distance really helps people convey all sides of stories and stuff like that too. But it also, it it helps, I think, video games handle them better. Um, It seems, yeah, it seems like a a rough topic. And I, I, you know, I I can't really explain why that is, but I do feel it. And I've never wanted to play contemporary military shooters in my life. I've just never liked them. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I think, you know, I think it's like the kind of game that you we, you can't really make a call on whether or not it's appropriate or not until you actually like experience the final product and see how they handled it, what they actually have done with this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a curiosity to me. It is a least. curiosity. Very strange. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Christian did. And he says, in my older years, I found that it's hard for me to sit through a single-player experience, uh, not, even if it's not just in one sitting. But uh, I, well, he says, for instance, God of War and Amazing Spider-Man were fantastic games. I enjoyed my time with them thoroughly. Mm-hmm. However, I ultimately dropped both around the 75% mark, I'd say. I will consistently drop games in the middle of them for multiplayer experiences, most likely never coming back to the single-player game. My question is, do you think it has to do with having less time as an adult attracted to multiplayer games with you know, usually instant or fairly quick gratification? Or is it possibly due to single-player games being drawn out longer than they need to be? Curious on everyone's thoughts. Thanks for your time. Hmm. I have like a third theory here. And hmm. this, is, this is something that like, um, I don't know if I want this back, but games used to really tie single-player unlockables to multiplayer. And it would be a reason to play a bunch of the single, like even Mario Kart did this, right? You had to play all the 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 you know the, the 150 cc cups to unlock mirror mode and like stuff like that, so you could play with your friends. Um, that was uh, around in early shooters and stuff like that too. And so they really tied the single player to some kind of advantage or some kind of uh, unlocking or something for your uh, your your multiplayer. And then also sometimes it was just like good training to kind of understand what the multiplayer is about. But now you can just jump into multiplayer and play. So it, they're just not as connected as they were before. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just something that used to draw me into playing single player if I was going to play a multiplayer game with that in it. I think there's also, like, not lately for me, but there used to be a huge draw to multiplayer games because it's kind of like a place to sync up with your friends as well. Um, and, you know, especially right now, that's more relevant than ever. I know a lot of people still playing Destiny 2 do so because they're just syncing up like their regular Thursday appointment uh, that they've got with their friends to go do whatever, you know, next challenge it is that's on their radar. Um, So I think that's a huge part of it. For me personally, obviously, like our gaming habits are a little bit different because they're so tied to our jobs too. Um, We get them at different junctures. We have different uh, deadlines around needing to finish a game for specific purposes. So I tend to burn through and I try to focus on one single player experience at a time because as Assassin's Creed Valhalla will prove, the second I move on to another single player mm-hmm. game, it's so much harder to kind of come back to Assassin's Creed. I've either forgotten why I care about certain story elements or characters or I've forgotten a lot of the combat, especially in Assassin's Creed's case. So it's just, it's a barrier to re-entry, I suppose. So I can see that they're being comfort and familiarity from a multiplayer game that's so ingrained in your brain, even if you're just doing like one round here or there every day. I it could. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, first of all, Assassin's Creed Valhalla just never ends. That game doesn't yeah. have an ending. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> it's just a completely bottomless, endless video game. Um, 
Yeah, I would say that most gamers, speaking generally, probably follow the opposite arc of what Christian is outlining, where the older you get, mm-hmm. you're probably not as interested in spending dozens and dozens of hours in kind of a samey multiplayer experience, and and you're probably more drawn to sort of handcrafted, hand-curated narrative experiences that can like pull you through a journey from beginning to end and give you a good power fantasy, and then you're kind of on to the next game. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, I don't know, hard to say why Christian feels that way, but that's certainly been my experience. Like, I'm not putting, you know, uh, 300 hours into Halo multiplayer anymore like I was a decade ago. Um, but I'm still just as interested in video games and keep up with the hobby just as much. The good news is that there's so many games that are just multiplayer now. So you don't need to pay full price for a lot of these. And a lot of times, you know, you, you, when you're buying a, a game that you're going to play with your friends, there might be a, a cheaper version of it that doesn't have the full single player to it. Uh, you know, Christian also talks about bouncing off of games, starting mm-hmm. them and bouncing off of them. I absolutely think that it's the case where there's really good games where there's enough gameplay to give you 10 good hours, but then they make the game 30 hours. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what do you like? So then you end up like, uh, like I bounced off it or I didn't care for it at the end. But like, it's not that it was bad. It's just that it was too stretched. It was like butter scraped over too much bread. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how Bilbo, Bilbo. feels. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, and that, that's my feeling toward most video games anymore. Like, I think I have a reputation as being a little bit of a hater. And I'm not a hater, but it's like I enjoy the first 10 or 12 hours of a game when it's still sort of revealing itself to me. And then once it's like, okay, I got it. I get it. Like, then the game's still going to go on 30 more hours. And that's just not what I'm personally here for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually part of why I really liked both Spider-Mans so much. Concise and to the point. Mm-hmm. In yeah, conclusion, yeah. that's why I like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> you could just end most sentences that way. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it could be that Christian is just more into the multiplayer games because I can think of a lot of examples of single-player single, single games that provide you know, instant gratification. Uh, there's all the roguelikes that I love, your Spelunkies, your Dead Cells, um, your rogue legacies. Um, or even stuff like Inside, and then all of the new like retro games like the Cyber Shadow that just came out and Hunt Down that was out last year, things like that. We could just play a level, be done with it 10, 15 minutes, and you know, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just more of a multiplayer guy. I think there's an element of human psychology of like there's games that I like and enjoy that I don't make a conscious decision of like I don't want to beat it because then it's over. But I think that is happening subconsciously. Like there are many games that I bounce off of in the final 10% and just don't quite get across the finish line. And I think it's because like, I know that when I play it that night, it's going to be done. Like I'm going to, I'm going to complete it. And so then I just end up kind of never doing that. And like, I, I put down Zelda for like months and eventually put, put, picked it back up and, and finished it. But like a lot of games, I stop at the final boss. Is that yeah, weird? especially no, especially RPG games where you don't mm-hmm. want the experience to end, and you know, like the second that you move off of it, that you might just kind of it might. Well, for me, it might just disappear into the ether. So I mm-hmm. constantly try to do what are all the special weapons I can find, mm-hmm. and all the side quests, and how do I if there's any sort of development with your side characters, uh, is there anything that I can go down that path? And not that I'm trying to 100 percent it because I've never been that type of completionist gamer, but. If there's more to do, I'd rather do all of that before I get to that final cutscene. And then if you drop the game during that sweep, it's especially bad because you're so high level and you know so much by that point that if you, did, if you don't beat it, then it's really hard to come back to. I think, I think I'm just like realizing something for the first time. I'm like made to, making a mental catalog of games that I stopped playing right at the end. It's like I think I have some anxiety about like finishing games and beating games. Mm-hmm. Like... I'll, I'll play through almost the whole game and then not beat it. I don't know. I need, to reflect, I need to reflect on this. I'll get back to you next week. <laughs> I never thought this. about this I until will. this episode, but I thought it would be nice to write a note to myself when I have to leave off a game that like, I really, really, you know, going to go back to. So Assassin's Creed, I would have said like, listen, you're go- going to plan to go talk to, you know, Ragnar. And he was mad because, you know, somebody took his whale oil, but that's not important. So that's just the thing you're doing next. But what is important is that you've done three out of seven territories and you're really interested in getting all the spears, you know? 
But then I I have to, like, I forget what my plan was for any type of game that has, like, a leveling tree because I always map out, here's, like, my next few ones that I want to spend points on and then where I'm going to branch off, especially for Assassin's Creed Valhalla where you're kind of mapping a path Mm -hmm. um, around a circle. So I have to, like, refresh my memory. Okay, what was my plan here? What was Mm -hmm. my strategy? That's why you you leave a note. And that's why you always leave a note. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the thing is, you don't know, at least in my case, I don't know. It's like the saying, like, someday you'll pick up your kid for the very last time and then you'll never pick them up again. Like, because, like, my mom's not picking me up anymore, right? So, oh, yeah, what, was the that? what was the last day? Yeah, and so then it, it's... I was 19 and I was off to college. <laughs> and my father set me down on the curb. <laughs> exactly. And it's like the last time you play a game, at least in my case, I don't know it's the last time, right? So you would have to have the foresight to be like, I'm probably going to give this game a break. Let me leave myself a note. Mm. Instead of like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to play this tomorrow. And then yeah. to like two years later, you're like, oops. <laughs> now I'm loving thinking of the last time I held my cat in my hand, like a little, when he was so, so tiny. He could be in one little hand. Yeah. You should have written yourself a note. I know. Uh, Okay, this is Mark in Kent, Ohio, with a very interesting question. It says, uh, are there any series that you wish they would blend into one playthrough, even if it breaks some of the story? For me, I would love to play through all possible Borderlands missions with one character or drive from one proper Forza simulation track race to the next Horizon on an open world map. Yes. Interesting uh, thing. Such a good idea. I, I love that for a reissue. Mass Effect. Clearly, right? It doesn't it was need intended to be, for that, right? Oh, it yeah. doesn't need to be one, two, and three. Make it yeah. one game. Like you're, yeah, you're, wow. you're they could have done that with <laughs> Legacy Edition. <laughs> and Bioware has they've done that before with uh with um uh Baldur's Gate. Like, well, maybe they didn't do it, but like modders turned Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 into one mm. game. And mm. I actually don't know if that's like an official Bioware thing or not, but like that's a game that's two games have been molded into one. Yeah. So it would work yeah. for Hitman considering like the one, two, three structure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, including... Almost. Yeah. It's almost like that even now, right? Yeah. And just the way that they, the way that it's designed, like against these effective chapters like flows really well because i was thinking mass mm-hmm. effect 2 because it's top of mind it's about to come out again i'm intending on plant on uh, playing it in that way back to back anyway so you're effectively doing that sort of mm-hmm. but i imagine there's yeah. a break too between like graphical fidelity between some of those uh those jumps that you're making mm-hmm. and then some of the design decisions that they that they made uh that veered away from how one played like that might be awkward to suddenly in yeah. the middle of your game. Like in Mass so. Effect, it's weapons. They like completely changed weapons between one and two. But like it'd be so cool to put in the effort to kind of pick like the best special weapon system and streamline it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there is weird stuff like even games that play super similarly, like the 2D Marios, like the physics are different, right? Like some of them are more floatier than others. And like you actually run into this problem in um, Mario All Stars where like he has three different jump arcs in the three different games. Um, I have another thought on this, which is Master Chief Collection. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Master Chief Collection is incredible in the year 2021 and doesn't get talked about enough just because it took them, you know, five years to fix it. Um, but it pulls every single Halo thing possible into one package. And um, and it even has, like, these meta achievements of, like, beat every game on Legendary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can launch into whatever multiplayer experience you want. And, like... That's my dream is to have that for other long running game series. Like mm-hmm. to have that for Mario, like some sort of Mario hub where like, you know, there's news and announcements and screenshots and play Super Mario World and play Super Mario Galaxy. Can you imagine? I know. Ugh. We just have to wait one more generation of the having to pay for Mario World individually for the last it'll be about thirty years at that point, and then then it'll be okay. Well, it's thirty years this year. Um I really like the Borderlands example because in that you work towards a level, but that level is kind of, you know, it can can kind of be stretched across three games. Like if you get to level 35 versus level 45 in the first one, it doesn't really matter. Like they can adjust, you know, two and three to get you to level 75 and level 150 or like whatever you're going to do. I love that idea. So what I was thinking my ideal with the, with this is just basically a reissue package, but I want to play the Witcher one and two, like, 
Those games mm-hmm. are completely inaccessible to me, and I would really like to play those. Uh, but there, there's other reasons where they're just like super out of date and stuff like that. But they are part of the Witcher Three storyline and the Witcher book storyline. So like, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of interested in playing through those, and it'd be really cool. Is if by three, then three would be a new game plus because you would have this like built out Geralt with a bunch of skills that you could apply to three that you know might be that you carry through. And I love that idea. I mean, can you imagine like a 300 hour RPG that way? Elder Scrolls is the same way. So yeah. cool. Yeah, like if you took Fable and mashed it together yeah, and you that's a good carried one. over like all of your yeah. reputation, what would that look like um, mm-hmm. in terms of progression carrying over? That would be really cool. But you get to start with a dog. <laughs> I, it's, it's fun to imagine a Mario game that combines all the different activities that Mario has done. So it's got the platforming, but then he can also go play a round of golf. Uh, he can play tennis, <laughs> might have a party. He Heart gets called racing. in. He gets called into the office, his doctor's office. Oh, yeah, that's right for Dr. Mario. Um, that's really true. I like the racing part of it too. I think with um, with uh, the Mario games, the hub idea is really good and it would totally work for all the Nintendo franchises. They could totally make those subscription services and they're never going to do that. It's so smart. Mm-hmm. Pokemon would be great for Oh, good. So Pokemon is actually an example of doing that because technically you can carry your Pokemon from game to game. So yeah. there's like a connective tissue with some exceptions between a lot of the games. And so that is like a good example of how that can work. And I think that's really neat. They're what halfway there animal? with the Pokedex. What about Animal Crossing? And you have to tend to multiple houses and towns and neighbors at the same right. time. Right. You could have your existent old town next door to your current town. Plus, you'd be able to use all your furniture. Yeah, for sure. And that would give people a lot more to do instead of, you know, skipping time over and and over. Yeah. And one's an island, so it makes sense because you have your shore home and your island home. Yeah, and you can fly over between all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. The Animal Crossing universe. ACU. There you go. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) What about um, uh, one Mega Man game with every boss and level that's ever appeared in Mega Man? I think I've seen fan art of that before, like (laughs) Mike Tyson's Punch-Out stuff with all of them. Uh, I think that's that's pretty good. Mega Man would have so many powers by the end. Yeah, uh, that'd be an interesting challenge to balancing all of those. Yeah, there wouldn't be an easy quick select. That would be really funny. I mean, that's that's basically Mega Man Remix, right? Yeah. Okay, that brings us to Video Game 20 questions. All right. Uh, our suggestion this week comes from Josh in Tampa, and he has a story about his selection, but we're going to wait till after the game to reveal his story so with that let the questioning begin what if we're really floundering on question 18 can we hear the story then yeah we'll see (laughs) (laughs) and or does your character wear a hat no for you justin nah that was definitive definitive so probably not an rpg Mm mm-hmm or anything with a does this like a space helmet count? Yes, we've 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 been down been this road. That? I think there's some disagreement on that. Head coverings of any kinds. It's a visor. Is a visor that has an open hole in the top yeah. considered a hat? What about a bandana? Yeah. Look, only there's only one person here wearing hats in every episode. I think we need to hear from him, <laughs> the expert. Bandanas can be a hat or a mask. I'm basically use that as a replacement. Is this an RPG? That's right? good. Because like, surely yeah. you'd be able to. Yep. It, what it, a better a better question is: What RPGs don't have you wearing a hat? Maybe Chrono Trigger. We can go on like this. <laughs> oh, there's. <laughs> I mean, question. Frog. Frog wears a helmet, isn't it? Yeah, but you're Chrono. Yeah. yeah. You wear a headband. Okay. <laughs> um. But, okay, do you are you um do you spend a lot of this game inside of a vehicle of some kind? No. And also uh Cloud doesn't wear a hat or helmet. But he might be able to equip I guess you equip bangles and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we almost got to Blaster Master in two questions. I just want to point that out. I told you I wasn't joking when I said that's my like default <laughs> 20 <laughs> questions game. What is uh did this uh come out uh, after the uh, year 2000? No. Same question, 1990. Yes. 90s game. 90s game. Come out on, did this come out on disc? No. That's five. 
cartridge. Is it based on a license? Yes. Ooh, Fun. Good. good one. Good get. What? But what license? Yeah. Um, can can kids and adults enjoy this license? Yes. Well, that's good. It's like more Simpsons ended things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Disney. There's so many licenses. Mm-hmm. Is this based on a movie license? Mm-hmm. No. It's a cool spot. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we get through TV and comics and everything, and then we're just floundering, and, yeah. we're, and it turns out to be based on you know, yeah. a football player. It's either cool spot or Yonoid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's also the, the food component. Um, not based what? on a movie. Well, still worth asking based on a TV show? No. Oh, boy. Comic book? Yes. That's oh, it. Oh, phew. Ugh. Oh, wow. oh boy! Is it based on a Marvel comic? No. Okay. So surely Batman. I mean, I guess it could be Spawn, but you Superman, know, Superman, Batman. Yeah, it's a DC comic for sure. Uh, not released on a disc, so I guess it could be arcade. But I'm picturing like a 16-bit game. It could also be Turtles or something weird. I guess still. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. That's a gray area, though. Because they have ninja uh, bandanas. What do you call those? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some, oh, yeah. something covering That's your That's a bandana question. Yeah, is, yeah. A, is a shell a hat? Because you can't pull your head inside of it. But no. it's not a hat if you're standing on two legs, only if you're on all fours. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still not a hat. It's just a body part. <laughs> oh, well, when you describe house. it that way, I don't like it anymore. It's a, yeah, it's a house, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean gray area that way. I meant because I know that the turtle started as a comic book, but everything that was licensed was licensed from their likeness on the TV show, right? I don't think adults is, can enjoy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is is a two is a toupee a hat? Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> a piece? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just a it's just a big hairy hat. <laughs> Gross. I just want to give the answer that helps us with games more, and that wouldn't help me with a game. <laughs> Um. All right. So, uh, do you play as a, a as a, uh, a human in this game? No. <laughs> Ninja Turtles looking more likely, <laughs> but it's based off a comic, but not a DC comic. Yeah, or not a Mar- sorry, not a Marvel comic. And so, I need to know some era specific stuff. Did this come out on NES? No. We're running out of questions. Are we? Yeah. Sort of. Okay, so it's a 16 or it, Nintendo 64 game. It's a Super Nintendo or Nintendo 64 game. Could be any of the Disney games. But it's based off a comic. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is it a Ninja well, Turtles game? originated in comics. Is it a Ninja Turtles game? No. Oh. <laughs> but you don't play as a human. It's based off a comic, but you're not a human. So you're not Batman. No. But you could be Superman. Wait a second. Superman, not human. Yeah. Like you just said. Yeah. It's Kry- Kryptonian. What are the odds? Yeah. Or you could be uh, a mutant or something. It could be a. a well, but I, it's like, it's not a Marvel game. Superman's an alien from outer space. Like, how, to, di- how different would that story play if he had like tentacles and was just some Cthulhu like horror <laughs> that was just like completely unimaginable to our little human brain. I, I think this might be like, is this game famous for being bad? Yes. It's, right, Superman it's Superman 64. 64. Is this on Nintendo 64? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you a Kryptonian? Yes. All right. <laughs> is this Superman 64? It sure is. It sure is. You know what's interesting about that? It developed by Titus. I saw that today. Uh, actually, okay, so I was a little bit confused because Titus did a, a Game Boy Superman game, and then that's just called Superman. Is Superman 64 just called Superman? Yes, but people okay. call it Superman 64. Okay, like Donkey Kong 94. Yeah. Never knew that. Okay. Yeah. It's the same developer as Prehistoric Man. Hell yeah. <laughs> 1999, uh, and one thing, uh, so this is uh, the story from Josh from Tampa. He says, I was looking through some of my old keepsakes from when I was seven years old, and I found my first written game review. Sadly, it was for Superman 64. We (laughs) shipped it back to the developer, and they sent some T-shirts that I wore for PJs for years. From my (laughs) perspective, I didn't understand glitches, so I just assumed the cart was broken. 
Anyways, I think it's as good of a 20 questions game as any. Uh, the multiplayer could trip them up. It had a surprisingly fun multiplayer mode that made zero sense. Oh, wow. I would have never, we would have been so screwed if we went the multiplayer route. Yeah. Uh, I have his review here. It's just, it's, it's written on um, notebook paper. It says, My summer vacation, August, it's dated August 17th, 1999. My summer vacation was so fun. We bought some CDs, we bought the Superman Nintendo game, but we sent it back because there were too many glitches. That's what he said. <laughs> Good review. That's an informative review. Yeah. But he I, says they, they sent it back. Who would they have sent it back to? It was developed Damon, and published by Titus. Every time you show us an old magazine, it shows a review of a game with the address of the company next to it. Yep. Yeah. That's right. That was definitely a thing. <laughs> and if they think the cartridge, if his parents are looking at it and they have no idea, like anything about video games, and they're just like, yeah, it is weird that Superman's stuck in the wall. Must be a broken <laughs> cartridge. Yeah. yeah this, this cartridge is defective. The game's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe they actually just returned it to Toys R Us or whatever. But they said they got t-shirts. Yeah, so I don't know. Indicate that they probably did reach because there's a warranty on games, so you can return even contemporary games have a warranty. They have like a limited sixty-day warranty. So because of return policies, nobody ever does that or thinks about that. But if you're not near a retailer and you can't get, if your retailer closes for good, then you're going to be returning your game to you know Sony or Nintendo if you can't do it. Titus is a French developer, so I don't know. They, did they have a U.S. office at that time that they could have sent it to? A local yeah. PO box office? I don't know. It's very, but it, that, it also sounds like they're really nice. They said this kid T-shirts, so I feel bad that they made this like uh, famously reviled, you know, the worst Nintendo sixty-four game of all time. They sound like they were nice. How much would you kill for a Su- Superman sixty-four T-shirt? Yeah, I time. would kill. I would. In the words of Metallica, kill them all. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's just a Superman t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. But yeah, you're right. Wasn't it is, you're right. Well, you're right. You're right. But, but you look, but Superman looks like a couch and is stuck in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you to Justin. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you to Tayo working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon, this is IGN GameScoop, and we're out. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.